Well, good morning. Not bad for a Sunday, May 2nd, 80 degrees outside today. I mean, come on, can we can we show a little appreciation for the weather and for where we're at today? So let's just say, amen, God, thank you. Give me, go ahead, yeah. No more snow. I'm proclaiming it right now. <laughs> don't, don't push it. Is that what you guys are telling me? Don't push it, huh? All right. I'll try not to push it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the, the book of James. We're going to continue on a series of sermons that we've been doing called The Faith Effect, A Faith That Works. And it's an amazing uh, book. Uh, James is an amazing book. It's an amazing letter that James wrote. Uh, just has some amazing things in it today, but I think this this portion of what we're going to be reading right now in Scripture today is probably one of the most important portions of Scripture that we can read today. With everything that's going on around us today, we need what James tells us in this portion of Scripture. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to share any funny stories. I'm not going to tell any jokes, other than Buddy can't fish. And um, all right, so no, I'm kidding. He can he can fish. There's some big fish, but uh, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything else. Let's jump right into the book of James, James chapter one, verse twenty six. Remember last week before before we begin reading. Remember last week we we kind of shared this portion, and I, I I think before we read James chapter two, you have to start in James chapter one, verse twenty six, and it says, "So if anyone thinks he is religious." As it does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James goes on to say, My brother, show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And see, I want to stop there because what I want to tell you is that James begins to set up chapter 2 with what he's saying in chapter 1. So in chapter 1, James tells us that if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. Those are some heavy words. Heavy words to grasp a hold of and keep a hold of inside of us and say, God, what does it mean? What James is trying to tell us is that there are some actions to our words. Our words have power. And if we do not bridle our tongue and instead deceive our hearts, then our religion is worthless. What he's saying is that if we do not control what we say out of our own tongue, if we do not control what we think with our own mind, and we have not yet had our mind transformed by the word of God, then our religion isn't as good as what we think it should be. He goes on to say, what is religion that is pure and undefiled? It is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Last week we stopped with that. But in all reality, 
James chapter 1 blends into James chapter 2. Yes, the, the Bible separates these as two separate books, but James' thought process is continuing on. And so James chapter 2, he goes on and says, what else is, I mean, think about it in this way. Religion that is pure and undefiled is, uh, is to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. But then he also goes on and says, my brother, show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. See, the real truth about this, this verse is that James isn't just saying to go visit the orphans and the widows, although that is something that you and I should be doing and we should be helping. But he goes on to the next verse and says, show no partiality as, you're, as you hold the faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pause there and pray and then we'll jump in head first right into this verse. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your honor. We thank you for your praise. Lord, you deserve it and so much more. You are a great God. You are not only our victory, but you are our guiding post, our, our everything, Father. There is no words that can declare the glory of who you are. But we ask you today, Father, that you would come in and you would help us to understand this letter that James is writing to not only the church of uh, the Hebrew church of many, many years ago, but he's writing it to us as well. And so, Father, help us this day to understand your words, understand what is being written here. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come, be with us, guide us, open our minds, reveal to us this living word of God. Let nothing stand in our way from understanding what you would say to us today. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would be truly your words, Father, and that you help us and that you guide us and that you strengthen us. So that we can give you glory, honor, and praise because you deserve that and so much more. And we'll be sure to praise you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. James begins to talk about a real relationship with Jesus. And last week we spoke about this a little bit. We said a real relationship with Jesus means that your faith has to be in action. Yes, there is a... Um, there is, a, there is an actionable item to your faith. Your faith should cause you to be in action to these other people. If you look at Scripture and you read through the stories of Scriptures, those who were following Jesus could not, I'm going to use a double negative here, look, could not not help themselves in terms of helping the people of Christ. Let me explain that one more time. Not using the double negative. They could not help themselves but to go out and help the widows, help those that were in need, help the orphans. But James throws in in chapter 2, my brother, show no partiality. What does he mean by show no partiality? Well, if you remember correctly and you follow Jesus and you read through Jesus' three and a half year ministry that he had here on this earth, he showed no partiality. Meaning, he didn't care if you were a female, he didn't care if you were male, he didn't care if you were demon-possessed, he didn't care if you came from Galilee, he didn't care where you were from, he would minister to you. Pastor Chaz, in his Bible study class, talks about these ordinary guys. Jesus showed no partiality when it came to recruiting his disciples. He went down to the ocean, saw some fishermen, and said, Come, and I'll make you fisher of men. 
and they came and followed him. He goes into the tax collector, the one that everyone hated. If, the, if there was anyone that had partiality shown to them during this time, it was a tax collector, especially from those that didn't come from Rome. They hated tax collectors. But Jesus goes and says, come and follow me. He goes to the rich. At that time, he goes to a physician who was at that time probably one of the most wealthiest person, a physician just like, well, not like today because we have insurance and everything else, but physicians were not hurting for money during this time, and he goes to them and he recruits them to become a follower of his. Jesus goes to the well, and when he's at the well, he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. This Samaritan woman is someone who Jesus should have never been speaking to. You understand that men, first of all, should not be speaking to it during this time. Men very rarely spoke to women. And certainly Jesus, a Jew, would not speak to a Samaritan because that was considered a no-no for those that followed the Jewish law. But yet he goes up to this woman and he has a conversation with her. It's not just a brief, hello, how you doing? No, he ends up reading her mail. He ends up telling her things that only she could know. And he tells her to go home and spend time. And, and in fact, the, the famous saying, yeah, you, you know, go, go home to your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right, you don't. You're not, you've not only been married once, you've been married five times. He shows no partiality. See, the problem with this is that today, in the world all around us, there is so much partiality going on right now. If you're rich, you have a hard time coming down and, and, and getting down on the level of those who don't have as much as you. Today, we have this problem with race that's going on around us. People of different colors of our skin tone are, are upset with those that are lighter skin tone because they think they're being abused or they think that they're being uh, treated wrong or treated unfairly. And in some cases, they are. There's those that have tattoos and, and people see them and when they walk in, they're like, oh, they have tattoos. And then there's those that have tattoos and go, oh, you don't have any ink on you? What's going on, man? Come on. There are so many ways in our world, and, and it doesn't just stop there. You know, I kind of jokingly said tattoos, but there's so many ways today that our world is dividing us that it is amazing. Are you Republican? Or are you Democrat? Are you vaccinated? Or are you unvaccinated? Are you a mask wearer? Or are you not a mask wearer? We have so many ways today that the world is trying to divide us and separate us that it makes you step back and just go, you know, uh, what's this? The things that make you go, hmm, all right? I won't uh, start singing an 80s song. Uh, Amy did that for me. I don't have to do it anymore. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is why is the world trying to divide us everywhere? Everywhere you go, there's a division that's happening Everywhere you look, there's division. I mean, it's, there has been some division going on. Like, there, there's always been the division of the people who knew how to cheer for the right football team and those who didn't, uh, a.k.a. Cleveland Brown fans who knew how, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry, Christy, I had to say it. But... <laughs> no, we accept, we accept all here. We're, we're no, we show no partiality here. You can't say that when I'm preaching a sermon. I'm showing no partiality. Now, come on. Yeah, I know. 
But Jesus begins to say this, and, and, and he, he's giving us the example of showing no partiality. But then James says that if you are walking in your faith, you should show no partiality. Now, if it's not just black and white, and if it's not just from, if you're from this country or that country, or if you cheer for this team or that team, or if you're rich or if you're poor, or if you're tattooed or you're not, and all of those examples, if it's not just that, then we take a step back and go, are you a Christian or not? Let's get real for a moment now. The church goes along with the division. We just divide in our own way. <laughs> I, I got I to say the honesty here, right? The honesty part is that we're following too much of the world and showing inside of our own church that we can have partiality. Are you an African-American church? Or are you a non-denominational church? Are you a Baptist church? Are you a Methodist church? We have all these divisions that are going on. Are you Pentecostal? Are you not? Are you a continualist? Are you a cessationist? We have all of these things that divide and separate us when in, when in reality, Jesus didn't separate anyone. He didn't, he, didn't have a, he didn't have one iota of a partiality thought to anyone. He didn't care. All he wanted to do was get them to come to Christ. He knew that if he could come and he could share the gospel, he knew that if he would die on this cross, as long as they believed in him, nothing else mattered. Why is it that we as a come into a place, why is it that we as a world have come to this place where we decide to show partiality? I'll give you a hint. It's the other correct Sunday school answer. The very first Sunday school answer, the correct answer to every Sunday school question is what? Jesus. The second question that not as often is right, but anytime you say something good, it's always Jesus. If you say something bad, it's what? The devil. That's right. What does scripture say about Satan? He comes to what? Yeah, kill, steal, and destroy. Scripture warns us that, that Satan is coming to this place to steal, to kill, to kill. Listen to me, I'm going to Woo! Do you speak an accent or not? We're dividing by that way too, okay? Are you a redneck or are you a country folk, okay? I happen to be both, so. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that he came to steal, he came to kill, and he came to destroy. Now, what's the easiest way? In any battle, if you look up a history, if Steve uh, Schmidbauer was here, I'd ask him this question because he's a history buff. But if any battle plan from the start of civilization, uh, civilization, civilization, <laughs> All right, if at any point in time, any battle that happens, any war that happened, what is the main point? What is, their, what is their, their, their goal is to divide, to break the ranks, if you will. The Civil War, which I don't understand why people did this, but they would stand in lines knowing that someone had a gun facing them, and they would, they would go, they would just keep walking. And you'd see people, I mean, it's terrible. You see people falling down. And I'm like, there has to be a smarter way to this, right? But the hope was that they could, they could divide the approaching army in two. Because if they, could, if they could separate out killing a smaller number or conquering a smaller number is much easier than conquering a big number of people. 
So what is Satan's first thing that he tries to do to us as humans? Separate us, that's right. He wants to separate us because if he separates the church from the, from the rest of the world, if he separates us even in, inside our own little church, guess what? It's easier to attack someone. It's easier that if, if, if Satan comes in and he says, he, he gets you offended by something I said or how great I look when I dress, just kidding. If he offends you in some way and you get offended and you stop coming to church, guess what? It's a lot easier to sleep in on Sunday morning when you're offended. It's a lot easier not to come to church when you haven't been there one Sunday or two Sundays or three Sundays. It's a lot easier not to, not to rub elbows with someone that you're angry with someone who looks different than you, someone who talks different than you, someone who has a different social economic status than you. Satan wants to divide us. And what James is saying to us is that a real relationship with Jesus means that your faith has to be in action. And your faith being in action, one of the very things that James talks to us about is to show no partiality. Today around our world, there are many that are being divided. We're being divided by everything. Some of my brothers, pastors, who are different skin tones, skin color than me, are having real issues in their churches today. Because they're trying to balance everything that's going on in the world today Yet they have their own questions, too. The truth of the matter is, is that if we allow Satan to divide us for any reason, whether it's skin color, whether it's riches, whether it's any, you insert the division. He's already began to won the war, or won the battle. He doesn't win the war, we know that. But he's begun to win that battle. Let's move on. Verse number eight says, If you really fulfill the If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Let's pause there for a moment. James doesn't say you love your neighbor if they're a different color than you. You love your neighbor if they're rich. I mean, some people love their neighbors really well because they, they have lots of toys that they can borrow, right? But what about that neighbor that doesn't have all those toys? Do you love them? According to James, the royal law, or the, one of the, the key commandments that Jesus gave to us is that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? Listen, I love my neighbors. I do. But there's sometimes that I, I, I have to even challenge myself. Am I doing what my neighbor, am I doing what I want my neighbor to do for me as a neighbor? Those are questions that we have to ask. James is trying to get us to understand that it's not just, again, in the light of you, should show, you shall show no partiality, he's saying let's go and do what the royal law tells us to do, and that is to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
And then he goes on in verse 12, says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, the truth of the matter is, is that this division that's going on around us is because we are judging people in a way that we should not be judging them. And what I'm saying is that, very simply, it's not just... It's not just white people blaming black people and black people blaming white people. And it's not just rich people blaming poor people and poor people blaming rich people. We are showing judgment without mercy. See, the truth of the matter is, as soon as someone walks in the door and you begin to look upon that person and think anything other than, I should love that person as I love myself, then what you have done is you started to remove the mercy, remove the grace that Jesus gave to you, and you start to judge them. Now, we all do this, and if we were honest with each other, we would say that we do this. If we're honest with each other, you look at someone and say, can I be friends with that person? Am I going to like that person? Right? I mean, we, we, if, we were, if we were honest and open with ourselves, we make some judgments about people. A few years ago, I, well, not a few years ago, many years ago, I keep thinking that I'm, you know, I, I'm getting ready this summer to celebrate my 30th, um, my 30th graduation <laughs> reunion. I'm like, how can I be that old, Jay? How can I be that old, Jay? You and I are that old, Jay. You know that? Some 20 years ago when I ran my first uh, 10K, yes, I've run 10Ks. <laughs> I've run 5Ks. But the first 10K I ran, I showed up to this race and I wasn't in the best shape of my life, but I had made a commitment to myself and I said I was going to run and I was going to do this. I showed up to the race and, and they had two lines and one was for volunteers and one was for the people who were actually running in the race and so I get in this line for runners and I get up front there and, and the lady looks at me and she goes, sir the volunteers are over there I looked at her and I said ma'am, I'm registered to run in this race she goes, you are? So it wasn't bad enough, first of all, that she called me a volunteer based upon just my looks. I mean, she didn't ask me for my name. She didn't ask for anything. She immediately made a judgment on me because I walked up to that sign-up sheet, overweight, and not in, the, not in the running shape, whatever that is. It hurt my feelings. It really did. I was aggravated. And you know... That 6.2 miles, I ran that 6.2 miles. When I got done, guess what I did? I searched for her. I found her, and I walked up and I said, ma'am, I just want to let you know that I probably ran this faster than I've ever run my whole entire life. Yes, I've run 6.2 miles before, but I ran it faster than ever because I wanted to get in here and I wanted to just show you right in your face it doesn't matter how fat I am, I could still run 6.2 miles. Thank you very much. If Jesus was going to accept, I, you know, the story of Jesus picking out his disciples is this wonderful story, and I, and I, love, I love these stories, but listen, if, if I'm Jesus, 
Let's be honest. If I'm Jesus and I'm going to pick people who are going to set the tone of the church forever, guess what? I'm not going up to a fisherman and asking that fisherman to come follow me. Right? I'm going to some governmental leader, someone who has some head of a CEO or someone who uh, knows how to run a business, someone who has this mindset. I'm going to go to them and say, come on, let's go. I, I, your leadership skills are amazing. You would be great at leading the church. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't do that. He goes to someone who probably has very little, if any, leadership skills at all and says, come and follow me. I'll make you disciples. I'll make you fisher of men. The truth of the matter is Jesus never once showed partiality. James gives us this idea of this the law of liberty. He says, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over just uh, judgment. And he uh, says right in the verse before, I'm sorry, he says, so to speak, so speak, and so act as those who are to be ch- judged under the law of liberty. What is this law of liberty? What does Jesus mean when he says about the law of liberty? See, the law of liberty means that it's the freedom that Jesus gives to us. We're no longer held under this bondage of judgment. Jesus gives us this grace and mercy. Jesus, when he died on the cross, died for all of us. He didn't die just for those who went to seminary. He didn't die just for those who are Christians. He didn't die just for those. He died for everyone. The truth is to live in an undefiled relationship with Jesus, it has to start by loving people the way that Jesus loved people. Jesus didn't care about race. He didn't care about gender or riches. Now, let me roll back just for a moment. Jesus didn't care whether you were male or female. I'll leave the gender discussion there. Jesus loved all people. He loved them as the person, not for what they had or didn't have. Today, racism is an issue. Partiality is an issue. It's an issue everywhere we go, and we have to overcome this. Listen, church, we need to be people who come to Jesus and we come to Jesus and we love him and he in turn gives us the change in our hearts, the change in our minds, the change in in all of our bodies so that we can go out and we can display the same kind of love to the people around us regardless of what they look like, regardless of how they talk, regardless of their, again, any of these issues that we would say are dividing us. The division does not come from Jesus, it comes from the devil. Jesus loves you regardless of whether anything. There is no division in Jesus. There is no partiality in Jesus. It's all his love. James is warning us that this, that this is not partiality or racism or any of these things. It's not an undefiled religion. In fact, it is a religion that's built upon division, and you can't have a religion built on division. Because if, it's built, if, our, if our Christianity is built on any type of division at all, that means only certain people in this room are going to make it to heaven. Jesus wishes all that would come to know him. 
Jesus wishes that all could come and have this relationship with him. The only division that Jesus says is whether you accept me or not. See, the only division that we can have is whether you... Today, we need to stop judging by earthly standards. We as a church have to stand up and put to rest this issue that is causing trouble all around the world today and say our doors are open and we want to have you come in and we want you to experience Jesus Christ. Listen, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're red, whether you're from Guatemala, whether you're from Mexico, whether you're from, doesn't matter where you're from. I threw Guatemala in for you, Carl. There you go. Doesn't matter where you're from. Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter where you what you what you did in your past. It doesn't matter how bad of a person or how good of a person you were in your past. There are no divisions in Jesus. He loves you and he wants to welcome you in. We as Christians are called to be like Christ, which means that we have to love people in the same way. We want people to change. Yes, I don't want someone living in their sin. Let me be honest with you. I don't want someone living in their sin, but the easiest way for me to get someone to not live in their sin is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. If I go up to a person who I know is doing something that they should not be doing, and I just start to berate them about what they're not doing, then guess what's going to happen? They're going to hate me. Listen, the church has tried that for how many years? How many years have we as a church said, we are the right way? We are the right way. We know that. But how many times have we tried to call out other people? How about we try to love other people instead? How about we try to introduce them to Jesus instead? And let Jesus change them. How about we show them the same mercy that God showed us? God didn't come to you and say, Are you good enough, Pastor Jess? Let me see. Hmm. He was a sailor. Uh, okay, that's both a check and a minus sign, right? How does he treat his wife? That's a check now, but it used to be a minus sign, right? (laughs) Jesus doesn't judge us by standards. He just loves us. And he introduces us to him. He introduces us to a greater life with him. We need to be like Jesus. Not like Mike. We need to be like Jesus. Show no partiality. Continue to move forward. See, the truth of the matter is this true revival will not happen until Christians stop judging those that look different or act different than themselves. Many years ago, I went to a Baptist, a Southern Baptist church, and this was, when I'm talking Southern Baptist, you don't have any clue. They're the ones that wear the three-piece suits and the ties and all this stuff. I walked into the church. It was the first time I've ever been to the church. I was going because the girl I dated said I had to go to church with her if I wanted to date her. And I said, okay, what church are you going to? Happened to be this church. My very first experience I had inside this church was a lady who was about 73 years old. And she walked up to me and she said, son, if you're going to come back to this church, you better go buy a suit. Because I wasn't wearing a suit wearing blue jeans and a nice shirt. That was my first interaction at a church when I was 16 years old. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, do you think Jesus is going to judge us based upon how we dress? Jesus is going to let me come to him and have a relationship with him? 
because I'm wearing jeans or because you're wearing a or your husband's wearing a three-piece suit? I don't think he cares. The simple truth is that if you treat people differently because of any reason, then you're not following the way that Christ lived his life here on this earth. Doesn't mean that you have to accept their sin. Listen, there's a difference between loving someone and telling them what they're doing is okay. Sometimes we have to love people enough to bring them into a relationship with Jesus and let Jesus change their life. Not sometimes, always. Let Jesus change their life. Not us. It's not me who's going to change your life. It's the words of God that's going to change your life. It's not me that's going to make anything different. It's Jesus who's going to make something different. James goes on and repeats, interesting enough, he repeats something that he began to say in chapter 1. And he says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I'm going to skip a few verses down to verse 26 and it says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. James began to share this message with us in the first chapter. And in the first chapter, he was sure to tell us that our faith should cause us, should spur us on to action. And now in the second book, he talks about there should be no partiality and we should not and we should show mercy we should love our brothers and sisters and our neighbors as as we would love ourselves and he does all of these things it's by no mistake that james now goes back and basically repeats something that he said in the first chapter the reason why this is so important is because when you are when you read scripture anytime you read scripture and there is a similar theme rewritten or re-exposed, uh, or, or said in, it may be the same thing, but said in just a little bit of a different, it's very important. That writer is trying to express itself, himself, herself. What they do is they want to make sure they understand. If they had to handwrite something more than once, if they wrote it twice, that was a re- that's something to pay attention to. And so James saying, faith in action. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James is trying to tell us that, listen, you cannot come into church on Sunday morning and you cannot worship God and worship Christ and sit here and sing, I see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord, but I see a victory. And then we get out those doors and we look down upon someone that we go around. Or we go home and we begin to our neighbor comes over and says, hey, can I borrow? No, you can't borrow anything. Or we walk out that door and we see someone that we've never met before and they look a little bit different than you or they, 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 they act or talk a little bit different than you and you look at them and you start to have negative thoughts towards that person because they might look or act or talk differently, differently than you. James is very quick to tell us that we cannot do that. Our faith should cause us to spur us on to action. This is one of the things I don't understand why the church is not the model of how to handle all of these partiality things. These issues of partiality, these issues of race, these issues of division, the church should be the model of all of this. But instead, what do we find ourselves doing? We find ourselves fighting. 
fighting about whether we should wear a mask or not. Fighting whether we should get vaccinated or not. Fighting whether we should be open or not. Fighting whether the music is too loud or the kids scream too loud or whatever it might be. Our kids are loud, that's okay. We love our kids. The truth of the matter is, is the church should be the model to the world around us. When there's an issue arising in a community and it's based off, off of race or, or any of these things of partiality, the church should be the first one going in and saying, listen, I love you. I may not agree with you, but I love you. I have brothers and sisters who are a different skin, to, skin color than me and I sit down and I have conversations with them. And I tell them, listen, I'm sorry that you feel this way. I may not agree with uh, Black Lives Matters or whatever it is, right? I may not always agree with them, but I love you. Because Christ tells me to love you. And so I have to figure out, why are you hurt? My job is not to judge you and judge what's happening. My job is just to sit there and say, how can I help you through this time? That's our job. That's our job as church. But let, let me take it one step a little bit closer to that. Sometimes you come across someone who acts a little different, talks a little different, might have aggravated you because I said something. What do you do? I'm not going to talk to that person. She makes me mad. I'm not going to talk to him. He makes me mad. I'm going, to hold a, I'm going to hold this grudge because this person did something to me. Instead of sharing love with that person, going and saying, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's learn about each other. Let's rub shoulders a little bit. Let's experience life together. And let's decide why we can't be connected. Instead of dividing, instead of always going to that first division, instead of always going to that place and saying, well, I'm, going to, I'm different than that. I just, my personality is different than that. So that means I'll never be able to really have a great relationship with them. That's a lie from the devil, and the devil's trying to divide you. You can have a relationship with anyone if you really want to try. Jesus did. Jesus even had a relationship with the sinners. He had a relationship with the prostitutes. He had a relationship with the tax collectors. He had a relationship with everyone, and he wasn't afraid to even go to their dinner. He went to dinner with them. know about you, but there's not a lot of people that I go to dinner with that I don't have a relationship with, right? Jesus showed no partiality. We as a church have to get over this. We as the world have to get over this. We have to not show partiality. We have to start living and allowing our faith to cause us to act. We have to start swallowing the hard pill and say, listen, my pride might get in my way and tell me to do something else, but instead I'm going to swallow that and I'm going to go try to build a relationship with that person. Because according to James, our faith should cause us to have works. And if we have faith without works, it's dead. Faith in action is loving like Jesus. So let me ask you this. Are you loving like Jesus? the worship team to make its way out from here. 
See, the truth of reality is, as I looked at this, I was originally going to just preach on this last portion. But as I begin to read this James chapter 2, I realized that the most important part that today that we need to hear, I believe, is the very first part of James chapter 2. Jesus calls us not to show any partiality. He calls us to live in a faith like his, to love like him. It's time we in the church start tearing down the walls that divide us and instead start pulling us together. It's time we in the church decide what... What do I have in my mind that I need to deal with today? This is a really hard question, but I want to ask, I want you to ask this yourself. Is there any racism in your mind today? Do you judge people differently than you? Because of the way they look? Because they have a relationship with Christ or don't have a relationship with Christ? Do you judge someone differently because they have money or they don't have money? Do you judge someone differently because they wear a piece of clothing that you don't wear? Do you judge someone differently because they voted in the last election differently than you? Do you judge them differently because they have piercings? judge them differently because they have tattoos. Listen, I, I'm going to make this story real quick, but I, I, I learned at a very young age, and, and I know I tease Christy a lot about this, right? Christy and I have a love, uh, we, we've known each other for many, many years, all, all our lives, right? All our lives, we've known each other, and, and her brother and I, when we were young, before, this was like maybe Christy was three or four, I think, maybe? Or he would know, but... I used to go over to her, I, Scott, her brother, used to come over to my house and I would go over to his house and right before the football game began, the great Pittsburgh-Cleveland Browns football game, we would don boxing gloves and we would go at it. We'd go at it with each other. We loved each other. Listen, we were best friends, but we'd go at it with each other. And when I say go at it, I mean we were, we didn't care if we got bloody noses, we didn't care what we did. We'd just box the poop out of each other. I was going to say something else, but. Not Christy, this is Scott. Christy would have won, yes. She would have won, yes. But here's the the thing I want to tell you. I mean, and I I joke about this a lot, but this actually started my journey in understanding how to love people that aren't as smart as you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Love you, Christy. No, uh, really, how people are different than us. And I know it's silly because it's a football it's a football team and football means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of life. It really does. You can live your life without football. I know it's hard, but you can. But if you understand that you can love someone who thinks differently than you, it's okay. If you can go beyond these things that divide us and learn to love someone for what they have. Instead of seeking out the things that divide us, why don't we seek out the things that unite us? Instead of going in and saying, I can't like you or I can't be next to you because you're this, this, and this, why don't we go in and say, hey, what, you know, try to find something that unites you, that brings you together. Jesus was amazing about this. He did amazing, it's just amazing to think about all of these actions that he had. He was the model of how we love people. We stand with our face. 
I want to encourage you today that we find reasons to unite. If there's someone here in this building or someone in your life that you have had an issue with, that there's been some type of division, there's been some type of separation between you because they did something, they said something, they acted somewhere differently, then reach out to them and say, listen, I want to deal with this. I want to get this right. Work out the issues. Jesus wants us to forgive, he wants us to love, and he wants us to be united with each other. Not united in sin. I want to be very careful that you understand what I'm saying. We're not uniting ourselves in sin with other people. What we're doing is uniting ourselves in love with each other. So I want to encourage you to do that today. And then I want to ask you to to do one more thing for me. So I want you to be truthful with yourself for a moment. And say, has my faith really caused me to be in action? Has my faith changed my life so much that it's caused me to go and do something else? It... It's caused me to reach out and try to unite with those that I was once separated with. It's caused me to love my neighbor as myself. It's caused me to ask forgiveness for areas where I have slipped and fallen. That's what our relationship with Jesus is supposed to do. My question is, has it done it with you? Father, we thank you for this day. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing and we thank you for the book of James that calls us to be united, that calls us to show no partiality towards each other, but instead to share love with each other. And so, Father, help us today to overcome those things that the devil meant to divide us. Help us to overcome and conquer those things and instead unite with our brothers and sisters. Lord Jesus, we can only overcome these things by the mercy and grace that you give to us. So I ask you today that you help us, Lord. Walk with us. Show us. Forgive us for those times and places that we have judged incorrectly. We may not want to admit out loud, but truthfully, inside each and every one of our hearts, we have judged wrongly other people in our lives. We have not judged them like you have, but we have judged them instead in our own minds, in the earthly standards. We have contributed to this division that is going and running rampant in the world around us today. Father, help us. Let us be directed by you. Forgive us, Father, as we search out a faith that is full of works. caused by the spurting on of the love that you have for us and the relationship that we have with you. We give you glory, Father. We give you praise and we give you honor now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Let's worship together.
take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good and you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory truth of the matter is, is that we have the only answer to solve these issues that are in the world around us today. And we will see a victory if we as Christians will stand up and walk in the power that Christ has given to us. We can see a victory over racism. We can see a victory over all of these problems that we face today in the world around us. We can see a victory in those things if we stand and we walk in the power that belongs to the Lord. battle belongs to the Lord. And all we have to do is let him fight it for us. Walk with him. Let him guide us and strengthen us as we take that walk. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you today. Lord, it is your victory. You do take what is meant for evil and you turn it into good. And the battle does belong to you, Father. We thank you so much for that. And we just follow you today, Lord Jesus. Lead us and guide us into victory today. Help us to have the victory that you intended for us to have in every battle of our life. So we pray now, Father, guide us, strengthen us, lead us. Father, I pray for even every single person that's here in this room or who is listening online, may they come in and receive the blessing that you have for them. May they turn over their battles to you and see a victory in all of those things. So Lord, we pray. I pray a blessing over every single one of them today. May they take the message that you have for them out into the world. May they see victories. May they see revival begin again around us. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you will do, and all that you have done. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you again next week.